Hello and welcome to the second season of A Glass of Seawater, the podcast where we talk about all things fusion. My name is Bavin Patel and I'm joined by Andrew, mm. Joe. I finished my food now so we can start recording. And Will. I like lasers. Will likes lasers. <laughs> yeah. And today we're going to talk about magnetically confined fusion or MCF. Uh, the reason we're talking about MCF today is because MCF is the most probable thing you're going to come across when you see fusion in the news. We have a bunch of different MCF reactors all around the world, and that's kind of where a lot of the focus is in terms of Europe, where America is a slightly different story. But a lot of what we have here is magnetically confined fusion. So Just to clarify, Will likes lasers, but we're not talking about lasers today. No lasers today. <laughs> well, also, I'll try. We'll <laughs> like, it might get edited out, but I will... I will force it. Laser diagnostics on a tokamak. The UK has quite a large history with uh, magnetically confined fusion. We actually have a bunch of different MCF reactors, which we call tokamaks. Uh, We have START and MAST and JET, and all of these are different reactors that are actually in Oxfordshire. So So START's not there anymore, is it? Well, START kind of got... Became MAST. START became MAST. It evolved. It's like a Pokemon. And then MAST has got evolved into MAST U. Which like is not, not a great Pokemon name. True. Master you. Master so like the second <laughs> stage of Master. To be fair, we have Star Me and yeah, Star, Star You. Yeah, Star Me and Star You. It's like Master. What's... How is it like Master? Master. It's Master. Master. Yeah, Master You. Master. Are we allowed... Is there allowed to be a fourth evolution? I know it's not really... I mean, we'll see how the funding goes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. I haven't got this one done yet, yeah, before we go like too far into what tokamaks are and stuff, I don't know if we want to put a brief mention as to like why it's tokamaks that we see. Every time you see fusion on the news, why isn't it like a really cool, expensive laser experiment, for example? Well, I don't know. Why do you guys think that tokamaks are because they're not they're not the only route to fusion out so there. The to- Sorry, the tokamak pathway is considered by many to be the furthest along in the route to actually attaining commercial fusion energy out of the several different pathways available. That's probably why the news articles are mostly focused on tokamaks, that there are probably more tokamaks around the world than other fusion experiments, so there's more developments consistently throughout over time. Part of it, I reckon, as well, is like the technological development is quite far along, so they actually, you get all these really nice images of something that actually looks kind of like a fusion reactor. Anytime you look at, I don't know, I see it, I think they're just... They've got some cool technology on the outside, and you get you often get cool graphics of all these different experiments going on, and it's already quite catered to being in the public eye and trying to push towards we've fusion. Got, we've got better PR. Yeah, tokamaks generally look I, prettier than ICF experiments. They, ICF they, being they a natural confinement. Oh, so we compare it to oh, compared to ICF. Okay, right. As in compared to other magnetic confinement approaches. Just, just to be, be cl- more relevant to this. So. Just to be clear, there are multiple different routes of magnetically confined fusion, but today we're going to focus on something called a tokamak. Yeah, but I mean, so tokamaks are a very robust design, and as Joe says, they're the furthest along. There's a, I mean, we'll probably do another one at some point on the history of how that happened. It's not obvious that it had to be that way and that it will necessarily always be that way. But as a matter of fact, that is where we are at the moment. Hmm. And what we're going to try and do is go through how the idea of a tokamak came along. But in order to understand how tokamaks became a thing, you need to understand how like charged particles move in magnetic fields. So we have something called Lorentz force. So yeah, the Lorentz force is an interesting one. It makes particles act in quite a cool way. You can kind of think of their movement as similar to a tennis ball on a swing ball. So if you were looking top down on a swing ball set 
and the pole of the swingle set is the magnetic field direction, then a charged particle would act in much the same way as the tennis ball when you hit it around the pole. It moves just around the field line or pole when you hit it because the string or the force, the Lorentz force, holds it in that circular orbit around the line, the field line. So the particles are kind of just going round and round and round the magnetic field line and they're kind of stuck there. And they, they can go up and down the pole as, like, as freely as they want, however they want to, uh, but they can't actually get any further away from the pole without either gaining more energy or the magnetic field changing. So the key one there is that the Lorentz force is not actually changing the energy of the particle, it's just changing the direction. Yeah. So it's essentially, you can think of it as like the particle is orbiting around the magnetic field, it's just going round and round and round. So in this way, we can start to see how particles might be confined in a magnetic field. So already, you're not going to have particles flying off to the sides if your magnetic field is going out in front of you. They're just going to, as Bav said, orbit the field line that's travelling away in front of you. But the problem with that is you can't you can confine them uh, close to that magnetic field line, but along the field line, so if you imagine a really long pole, they can go as far as they want along the pole. So they're not confined in that direction. Like a really tall tether ball. Like a really tall tether ball. No, sorry, swing ball. Swing ball. Swing, swing ball. ball. Yeah. So yeah, you have these particles that can move up and down freely along these magnetic field lines. So then someone came up with a magnetic mirror. I like the idea that like scientific ideas just they did come up with. It came to him in a dream, and a light bulb appeared above his head. And he saw this magnetic like, mirror. In front what of if him. we just made the particles oh back the other way? We could call it a magnetic mirror. No one's thought of this. Magnetic reflection of some kind. So yeah, from the name mirror, uh, you can kind of picture things being reflected. So in a magnet- magnetic mirror, we have a very strong magnetic field over to one side, with a weaker one in the middle. And then a strong one again on the other side. A strong one at the top and bottom of your tether ball, and then a, a weak magnetic swing ball. A, t- a strong, strong field at the top of your swing ball, and a, and a strong field at the bottom of your swing ball, but right in the middle, you've got a weaker field. And this is a little difficult to have a good analogy for, but we can go simply for a regular potential. So if we think of the weak magnetic field as the centre of a valley, with the strong magnetic field as the mountains either side. So particles confined in the middle need a lot of energy to get out either side. So most particles will just oscillate backwards and forwards between the two high magnetic fields. However, you'll always have some with very high energies, which will definitely be able to escape because we don't have the technical prowess to make incredibly strong magnetic fields to keep really, really high energy particles confined within them. I feel like my horse analogy was pretty good. Which is? So the way you stop a, a, an escaped horse that's on the loose is, in theory, you sort of coax it as it's coming. I think you have to match the speed of the horse. Anyway, you're supposed to sort of coax it against a wall or something and yeah, gradually yeah. slow it down. I've heard this. This is it's probably because we both want the same QI or something. But anyway. Um, no, I'm kind of an expert on <laughs> oh, yeah. coaxing. Yeah. Back in, back in Surrey, they call me you're the a horse catcher. Yeah. <laughs> That brings up all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, Cokes are tricky. Cokes are <laughs> Either way, all you need is to get the idea of like a, an increasingly strong pinch uh, up to a point that stops it. And then if you can think that the continuation of that is it goes back the other way. 
So a force going to zero goes past zero and becomes negative. Negative numbers. So you're essentially coaxing the horse into the wall until it goes, ah, oh, didn't, didn't want to go that way anyway. It yeah. turn, turns around by the other I don't say anything that turns around. It walks backwards. And it then walks gallops backwards. backwards as well. It's a talented horse. It's like one of those show horses. How? How? How would it gallop backwards? I don't think a horse can gallop backwards. If it can gallop backwards, backwards and gallop forwards. You definitely walk backwards. You mean if it can gallop forward, forward, it can gallop backwards. backwards? No. <laughs> <laughs> I meant what I said. <laughs> Sure Alright, maybe it turns around. There's no reason our particle has to face the same way. Or gallop. Spit yeah, either flips. way, these particles are reflected I hope this is and therefore kept in the middle. And the aim of the game is confinement. So it's the name MCF, so that's what we want to happen. So why why don't why don't we just do that then? If we just have, you know, a long tube, high magnetic fields on the end, low magnetic field in the mirror, in the middle. Why don't we just have that and then, okay, there's your fusion job done. How big we can make the magnetic field is not big enough to keep enough particles in the middle to make this a viable fusion possibility. So then some clever people in... The reason I was looking at my phone is I've opened the history because I sent it in an email to someone recently. So the idea initially comes from a guy called Oleg Leventiev. And it's literally, so when I said it was robust, this is a, a Soviet design. Uh, and he is a guy on his own uh, at the age of 24 in 1950. And I'm looking around the room and I can't remember how many of you are 24 yet. I was going to say, I, I feel like I've most got of another year. Room... Okay, so there you go. Uh, yeah, so he sort of sat on whatever radio outpost in Siberia he's posted on, spends all his time and money buying access to journals to study physics. And he has this brilliant idea, which is, well, why don't we make a circle out of it? And that way... It will never leave because it will always just end up going back around on itself. So you can imagine it as your swing ball. If you wrap the, the pole around on itself, then the particle can like swing around the pole as much as it wants, but it can only go around and around the pole. The ball can never like get away from the swing uh, from the swing pole. Swing ball pole. I, I don't. It's been years since I played professionally. I don't know the technical terms <laughs> anymore. Also, I feel like the ham. Yeah. Okay. So the pole is. Eternally I think it's a stimp. A stimp. Yeah, so it's probably a stimp. So yeah. Yeah. If memory serves. So you make if you make the stimp circular, then the particles will go round and round. <laughs> but why doesn't that work? Because I mean that just sounds fairly simple as it is, and we could just do that and then have fusion. So sounds awesome, said, that, this, uh, this guy's got oh, a job done. Yeah. Let's go. Some outpost in well, Siberia. At that point, yeah. do you, well, I feel other people got involved and they did it somewhere warmer. Oh, do you know, you, at that point, do you no longer need to have the strong and weak part of the field, right? You're just connecting up the two ends so you no longer have to have that change in field along the length of the, the um, swing ball pole. Yeah, so now, now because it's a circle, the strongest field is in the middle. Or a donut. Hmm. A donut, yeah. You can think of a tokamak as a ring donut or a torus, yeah. Um, and the field is strongest in the middle and it gets weaker as you go away from the center of the donut. Now we have our field just going round and round the donut, the long way around the donut. Can we have fusion? Does it work? No. Well, we have some fusion, but no way. Yeah, as is always the case. I mean, what happens, what happens if we try to design this reactor where we just have this um, magnetic field going around and around the donut. Don't you do theory? Shouldn't you <laughs> tell us? I definitely know the answer, but I'm yeah. not going to tell you. Well, I feel like you haven't had a chance to explain anything yet. You did it quite well earlier today. What you end up having is you got your particles going round and round the the torus, the donut, the tokamak. 
but like jelly path, the path that a, a jelly would take through the center of. Oh no, because yeah. they're not ring no, donuts. No, no, right? no, a ring no, donut. Sorry, yeah. No, I reckon you could still get jam in a ring donut. Why isn't that a thing? Are they be. hard to make? Because you got to put a needle in it. Right? Yeah. Okay. So you just have to. What you can think of you is control the flow of jam around. The... Sorry, Matt. If you have a bagel and you're smearing. Smearing. Smearing <laughs> direction. It's yeah. the smearing direction on the bagel. So you're just going, when you cut the bagel in half and you smear uh, around, uh, that's the direction the particles are going. They're just going round and round the donut. But the issue is you have this gradient in the magnetic field. So as Joe mentioned earlier, the, the, the magnetic field is strongest in the middle of the donut and weakest on the outside of the donut. So you've got your magnetic field going round and round, but then you actually have this interaction where the particle sees both the magnetic field and the gradient in the magnetic field. And what that does is that sets up a, a flow of particles and that flow of particles sets up an electric field. And then the electric field and the magnetic field interact with the particle and causes all of it to fly out the edge of the donut, which is really, so when, really bad. When you say flow of particles, do you mean the same particles in the same direction and which direction would no. you be referring to? So you have two types of particles. You have your electrons and your ions. Electrons are negative, ions are positive. Uh, the ions go one way, the electrons go the other, that sets up your electric field, and then that electric field interacts with the particles again, and that ends up pushing all of your particles out the edge of your of your donut, of your bagel, and you just lose all of your confinement. And like the name of the game is confinement. Imagine if you'd spread cream cheese on your bagel, and then it all ended up on your plate. It just fell off the side. Yeah. You'd be pretty annoyed. Yeah. This we- sounds far too complicated. There must be some other way of confining... The, the scientists have like tried multiple different ways to confine it. You start off with, okay, let's just use magnetic fields. Oh, that doesn't work. Okay, let's try and set up like a, a gradient in the magnetic field. So you've got like strong and weak regions, but that didn't work. Okay, let's try and connect it around into a circle so the particles just can go around and around the circle. That didn't work. So we're going to try something even new. So what, what did people come up with in order to fix this problem? I wasn't listening to the sound. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> So you essentially have two sets of magnetic fields going uh, in your donut, in your tokamak. Uh, You've got a magnetic field going the long way around, which we call the toroidal field. And we've got another magnetic field going the short way around your donut, uh, which is the poloidal field. So the combination of the toroidal and poloidal field actually helps improve your confinement. And the confinement, again, is what we want. So you all looked at me like I was it, supposed to speak. So we've got our tokamak coils, which go around. If we imagine it as a bagel, they go around your bagel through the hole and then back out the other side. Kind of if you put your f- thumb and forefinger around the bagel. I'm doing it now. It's just then. Well, you got okay. So that, so you can picture I a bagel it, and you picture yourself doing that, and then you know which way they go around. So if your thumb and forefinger. Something. Oh god. Yeah, I did that. Sorry. Thumb and forefinger around your bagel. Joe's put his thumb and forefinger. Ah, oh, that's hard. Thumb and forefinger. I have washed my hands, so it's all right. <laughs> so we, we get mul- we get multiple ones of those, right? We all get our thumbs. That's what and four eight fingers. in this room. We all get those surrounding a bagel. That's almost enough, actually. Yeah, for a small time. Yeah, small. So back to when I said that the field was strongest in the middle of this bagel or donut. So if you think of all our thumbs and forefingers around this bagel they're they're closer to each other in the middle circle than on the outside so therefore the field is stronger in the middle than the outside wait why is there a field there because we're passing 
electrical current through our thumbs and forefingers. That sounds painful. Yeah, we, we've practiced it a lot. Definitely do not do that. Yeah, don't try that. Valve will cause heart failure. And it definitely won't work fusion-wise, so <laughs> you'll just have lost out both ways. You'll have third-degree burns and have gained nothing. And no fusion. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> so, yeah, so we pass current around these magnets around the torus, and that creates the magnetic field on the inside, which confines the particles. Or, as we've just said, doesn't confine them quite well enough. So we've got uh, multiple fields. We've got our uh, one, which is our toroidal thumb and forefinger, all around our bagel, setting up a magnetic field in the schmearing direction. Mm -hmm. And then we've got other coils. So it's not coils. So we need to set up uh, a magnetic field in the poloidal direction, so the, the short way around the donut where our fingers are. And one way we can do that is if we pipe a current through our donut, so in the smearing direction. So we have a current in our tokamak that will generate a poloidal field coil and that will help improve confinement. So essentially we have a current going around the bagel, setting up a field through the bagel, and mm -hmm. we also have a, a current through the bagel, setting up a field around the bagel. Yeah. Precisely. So if you, if you get your hands out and you we get your right hand out and just point your thumb up, do a thumbs up. Hey. If you have a current going along your thumb, you'll get a magnetic field going along where your fingers are. Also, probably a burning sensation in your thumb. Also a very burning sensation in your thumb. If you have a magnetic field going through your thumb, uh, the particles will then flow along uh, your fingers. Yeah, curled around your thumb. Yeah. So if you're doing a thumbs up, that's where you're... Yeah. Yeah. Just checking people aren't giving thumbs up like that. No, no. That would be a very weird... Joe just put his hand flat out to do a thumbs up, which is odd. No, you want your thumb going all the way around. As a normal thumbs up. Well, I mean, that's probably a bit. Yeah, but it's fine. So we've got our two fields. So are we done? Are we done confining that tokamak now? I mean, you'd, you'd think so, but sadly it still doesn't work. It's always one more. What's one more, you people? Yeah. It's quite a lot more, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to Spoilers. Options. Yeah. Yeah, what's in, t in like a timeline stage? What are we at now? Well, so we're still, we like we're still no, 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 no. <laughs> we're still in the fifties timeline stage. Uh, so, well, having established that you could build the thing in this kind of circular geometry, it then takes the work of a not another Russian. There's a woman called uh, Ksenia Ksenia Razumov, I think. Anyway, she comes along in 1962 and is the first person, sort of mathematician, come physicist to prove that a plasma in that donut bagel thing can be stable in any situation. And that's the start of tokamak research. And shortly after that, somewhere in the 80s, we declare that we're probably going to be finished pretty soon by the turn of the millennium. And it turns out there's a whole bunch of stuff we didn't anticipate there that's also going to come up and trip us up. But I'm sure we'll go into that in much more depth some other time. But once you have your tokamak, there are a couple... She won the prize at EPS this year. Who did? Uh, Xenia. She's oh, still okay. around. Yeah, yeah. She oh, won. wow. She still kicking. She was awarded, whatever it is, 50 years later, finally recognised for her work at an EPS conference in Belfast. Literally Belfast. took till this year. Belfast. Oh, man. Yeah, recognition is quite slow in the scientific community. <laughs> Imagine if, like, you bake an amazing cake for your mum, and then, and then 30 pipe, years you later... You pipe a current through it. Oh. 
feel like we're really that's the wrong into... kind of piping when it comes to cakes. Did your, did your mum not praise you enough, Bev? <laughs> Do you feel like she's holding it all back? She's going to give you in thirty years yeah. time all the all the small gifts you made for her as a child. <laughs> <laughs> she's just she knows I'm a fusion yeah. scientist, so she's just holding it back. Like, bring them all with her to Sweden. On yes, on her deathbed, <laughs> she'll have a giant proclama- proclamation of love. Proclamation. <laughs> 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 This is deep. <laughs> she'll have a giant proclamation of love, right. and that will be her final words, and then she'll go eh, and die. Oh, well, wow. she doesn't listen to this. Yeah, well, what will she think? That's going to be like a really disappointing moment if that doesn't happen for you. Yeah. That's going to be crushing. I hope, Mrs. Bavin, I hope. <laughs> Mrs. Bavin? <laughs> Why would it be Mrs. Bavin? I don't know. Mrs. Patel would have been perfectly fine. <laughs> That's what it is. We don't want people to like stalk you. He said his name was Bavin Patel at the start of the episode. We've identified you by surname as well. I don't listen to what he says. Just, guys, if you do want to stalk us, all of our pictures and names don't are on the tell Fusion that. CDT website. So if you just go on Fusion CDT, Google we're, that, we're go on to people and student profiles, you'll find all of the information about us and what we look like and our addresses. I'm going to make a pin-up poster of myself for people. And also... I've been using a fake name. (laughs) (laughs) A very rough description of my project, which probably has nothing to do with what I'm doing. It's a very rough description of you. (laughs) Have we at once mentioned that we have a plasma inside the tokamak? We actually haven't. Because I think something that's really important is that the way we're confining the plasma itself with the magnetic field, because the plasma is made up of a bunch of charged particles. So why don't we have fusion yet? What's wrong with the current method of tokamak design? Like what's, what's, what's limiting us from hitting that, oh yeah, we got fusion? I haven't finished my PhD yet. Wow. Well, you heard it here, guys. As soon as Andrew finishes his PhD, <laughs> we'll bar. have fusion. That's the bar for me being awarded this degree, is do we crack it or not? And if no, I'm out of here. And I'm going to hold you to that. I'm definitely holding you to that. I'm, and I'm sure your supervisor, Ishtvan, would also hold you to I'm that. Sure, I, I feel like he has that kind of expectation, certainly. <laughs> Turbulence. Turbulence, it's yeah. one of the problems, which is why I mentioned my PhD. What, what do you mean turbulence? What kind of turbulence? Exactly the turbulence that people imagine when I say the word turbulence, but in a plasma instead of in sort of the atmosphere. Mm. So what, like a plane shaking? Like a plane shaking. A lot like a plane shaking. Yeah. But there are no planes within the tokamak plasma. If you could fly a plane in a tokamak, how, how, how bumpy would the ride be? You, well, a plane is a lot bigger than a tokamak. If you had so, a really small plane. <laughs> ah, or a really big tokamak. Or a really big tokamak. Which would you put there? If I had a really... It, well, I mean, it would just put the plasma out. So okay. It quite smooth. Well, no, it would put the plasma out, then there would be a vacuum, so you just crash. So it'd be quite bumpy. But it'd be one big bump. Yeah. <laughs> so it's slightly different from normal turbulence. or a little turbulence if it's one massive bump, but anyway. Instabilities? So, in this very complicated system we've set up with the... the I'm just going to have it start like that. Instabilities? Yeah. (laughs) I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say instabilities again. No, I I can say it again if you want. No, that's cool. Why are our toroidal and poloidal fields not enough to confine the plasma? There's all sorts of things going on in this system. Um, As we're confining it with all these fields, it doesn't really like to be confined. So periodically, instabilities will occur in the plasma, which can do things like throw out a lot of the particles and energy from the plasma, which, as the goal is to confine this plasma, that's not what we want. Um, And things like this are enough to mean that we haven't got over the hump of producing enough fusion power in a tokamak to make it commercially viable. 
So if we had like, are we talking about if we had like a a bagel mold and poured a jelly in, we've now we can now sort of think about squeezing the jelly into place. But as soon as you sort of squeeze it in one place, it bulges in another, and now it's just a balancing act of flattening all the jelly. That's that's one actually that's one kind of instability. You so, squeeze it in one place and it bulges in the other. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a squeezing a balloon on one side and then it pushes out on the other side. So that's one type of instability. Does it have a name? It's called the ballooning mode. Because well, right. it balloons. And there's other ones such as... <laughs> as in, you know, the verb, balloon. Yeah, to yeah. balloon. But there are other instabilities like the kink instability and... Which you can do at home. Yes. You get a tea towel. So you can get a tea towel. Easy with two of you. You hold a taut between you. And you just twist one end. And you keep twisting one end, and eventually it'll start to pull itself together. Try and keep it taut, then you keep twisting, and eventually it will throw itself out to prison, well, for energetic reasons. But that is exactly analogous to the other easiest to understand instability, and probably those two are as many as we're going to describe, because yeah. the rest are quite complicated. So, yeah, we've There's mentioned. There's a Wikipedia page of uh, plasma instabilities, and there are about 180 on there now. It's not just the field interacting with the plasma, right? It's plasma interacting with the field as well. Yeah, there's a lot of instabilities. <laughs> yeah, we got, from, we got a lot of problems. Yeah. So many, there's many a, issues. We're basically trying to find like a hundred different things to keep the plasma where we want to keep it. Yeah, and you know the magnets and the poloidal magnets and all of these extra things that we're doing. It's still not yet enough, but we're getting to the point where we're understanding these instabilities enough that we know how to prevent or even, or just mitigate them, so they're not as detrimental to our confinement. Yeah, we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to sort of be pessimistic about it because we'll so talk what, about it. When you talk about controlling them, what can you actually change to well, mitigate these things itself? But so it varies for different ones. But yeah, different things with different disabilities. So some of the the biggest disruptions you uh, you control um, very tokamak responses. Build another set of coils. Um, so we do that for some of them. We spin the plasma to solve for other ones. There's lots of little clever ways of like trying to mitigate and deal with instability. It's not just a fact of passing more current through a magnet or... No. Because they I come mean... from so many different areas that pretty much each one requires a different type of way to control it. And lots of PhD students too. <laughs> very very yeah. importantly, many, many yeah. PhD many, students. Many, many PhD students. Slightly <laughs> high stipend would be good. Happy tax free. So let's let's talk about the point when we do get tokamaks eventually up and running. Just as a side note, uh, all the tokamaks that have, we've talked about have all been pulsed tokamaks because all tokamaks are kind of inherently pulsed. Eventually, to get a, a full-on fusion reactor, we need to run a steady state, so it has to be running continuously all the time because that's what you'd want from a from a power plant. So when we do get to that stage, there's a couple of other things that we do need to start considering. Such as Q. So Q. Capital Q. Capital Q. What's capital Q? It's a capital Different to lowercase Q. It is. That, that is, is actually very true. Don't, don't look. That's a very important thing in our field. No, 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 no. no, no. I agree. I'm just like, oh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> but let's only talk about capital Q. Just. So, yeah, capital Q is the ratio between the input power and the output power of your reactor. So we obviously want this to be as high as possible. So the question Bab's about to ask you, which is a very important question, because I've got anything on Twitter about it today, is um, what do we mean by power? And we know what we mean by power as uh, a, a fusion reaction power in, inside the machine. A lot of people will tend to assume that what we mean is 
the amount of power they can use to make their kettle work. So there's two types of queue. There's the engineering queue and then there's the, like, the physics queue. I keep thinking of like the word queue, like the queue in the supermarket queue. In my presentation. Well, thank you, because now that's all I really have to think <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, so in my, in my presentation for other people, there's a big picture of like old queue from James Bond, but no one no one gets it anymore because they're all too young. Mm. Please me. What, what about queues basically 20 years old with black hair? <laughs> Get out. So, yeah. so phys- physics queue, the way it was described today on Twitter was. Uh, you can think of it as measured at the edge of the plasma, right? That's literally the energy coming out of the plasma. Then there are a whole series of steps that you would have to go through to go from, ooh, I've you know successfully got a burning fusion plasma to now I can turn, you know, do that steam turbine business and get it onto the grid and that sort of thing. Along the way, you have to you know couple into and out of a whole bunch of systems. And so when physicists go, yay, we reach Q equals one, i.e., we've got you know break even this thing of as much energy coming out as we put in. Engineers turn around and laugh in your face because you still have to run it through a series of wires and blankets and all sorts of things that um, just aren't going to be efficient. Because this is power generation. It's yeah. generally very inefficient. Yeah. I went to say, so, someone mentioned that the interaction between uh, scientists and engineers was often like, well, you know, we've got we've got a queue of one, so that's fine. And then engineers will be like, yes, but you need a queue of more than that. And physicists will be like, yeah, we can't do a queue of more than that. The engineers will be like, well, you need to. And physics will be like, no, no, with Q of 1 is all we can do. And then engineers will go away and come back and be like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. We just made superconducting wires. So. <laughs> that's a lot, like, fine, I guess. a lot like the discussion we have with material scientists yeah. as well, which is, you know, that's yeah, going exactly. to melt. No, no, it'll be fine. You'll find something. <laughs> no, 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 that's not going to work. No, it'll be fine. And then they do. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, yeah, we told you you'd find something. Honestly. Yeah, you just need People some... need to be as optimistic as we are. You just need, <laughs> need something that can withstand these temperatures. Nothing on Earth can withstand these temperatures. Oh, you're on Earth? Aha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've got so far with Tokamaks. What's the plan for the future? Well, Joe. <laughs> um, so part of the why we're talking about Tokamaks and have slightly conflated the idea of magnetic confinement and Tokamaks is that, as we said, they're presumed way forward. So particularly in Europe, where we're all governed together and uh, we have coordinating regulatory bodies, um, which are separate to the EU, but we'll talk about another time again. Uh, They have a plan. They have a brilliant plan. It's a solid plan. uh, And it is that fusion will be here in around 2050-ish. We'll have something that works. Asterix. Asterix. There's definitely 2050 answer. may not contain fusion. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this, there's this three-stage plan that has vague dates, but let's not worry about the dates too much, and it goes like this. So you've got the Horizon 2020, which is this general science budget from you know, all sort of European agencies put money together, and you fund various projects, and we're part of that. And so all these things we've been talking about, MAST and JET, and um, the German Stellarator project, which is another way of doing magnetic fusion, uh, all these sorts of things are all funded on that basis. Then you have... Um, well, so you can take JET slightly after that. It feeds into the next thing, which is ITER, which we reckon we'll finish building 2021. We'll commission, we'll get some plasmas 2025. That will be incredible. We'll all be very happy. Um, and hopefully we'll have learned something. We've learned a lot since we started building it. And hopefully we'll learn something else that leads us on to this slightly more nebulous thing demo, which is the last stage of the roadmap, which is where you start, well, depending on who you speak to, but the idea is that you prove all your principles and you have... Uh, enough testing done on enough components that you could at that stage build a commercial reactor. And the name demo comes from the idea that it would be a demonstration commercial reactor. Is is ITER getting plugged into the grid? 
No. No. Demo, but demo would be, right? Uh, not necessarily, but potentially. Okay. A lot about demo is yet to be decided, I think. Demo is quite far into the future, so we don't really... Yeah. It's quite so all in the air what's going to happen. That's what happens. But so if we think about so the the timeline people are working to if you think about listening to if anyone heard it Steve Cowley was on Radio Four last week on the Life Scientific um, and when he was asked this question it was he said eh, second half of this century and I think that's realistic we're still saying twenty twenty five we'll have some good results but we'll have start getting results on this ETER thing which is meant to prove that fusion can work at all i.e. you get Q greater than one uh, from that we'll do some do some good science. And then we'll get to a place where we know something more. We'll build another one, 2050, 2060. We might be a new place to build, build some for real. So that's been a brief introduction to magnetically confined fusion and mostly touching on tokamaks, which utilize this technique. I think we've teased enough stuff that we're going to come back to mm. some other time. And we apologize to the Stellarator community that we haven't talked about you very much. There's room for a lot of episodes on all these things that we've touched on very briefly. This has been a glass of seawater. Thank you for listening. ICF is probably very hot in the centre. Yeah, 100 million degrees. Like, hundred well, only for that like nanosecond. Is yeah, it's not. Is it not like the centre of a as a tokamak exists for more than a few seconds? Matt's got a point there. Oh, 10 to the 9 longer. Shots fired. I don't, I don't know how long... Anyone shots fired? Yeah, it just wasn't funny. <laughs> no, as in like... Okay. No, we got it. It no, wasn't yeah, funny. I did get it. It might okay. even be short than a nanosecond period. And recording is stopped.